Hi, and welcome to The Amber Show. I'm Amber Urquhart of the Willow community, and every two weeks we talk about the latest in tech and crypto. Today, in Taipei, we're sitting down with Edward Guo of Bitcoin Miner and Andy Wang of Aiden Tech. Let's go. So, hi guys, welcome to The Amber Show, and today we have very special guests here. They're also good friends of mine. That's why it's going to be a fun one. So um, let's start by introductions of um, Edward and Andy. Let's start with uh, Andy. Okay. Uh, again, thank you, Amber, for inviting us. Uh, uh, I'm Andy. I'm from Taiwan, basically. And um, I'm a founder or management partner for Bamboo Venture Partners in Israel. And also, I co-founded this company in Taiwan called Adian Tech with my partner, Edward. And we are doing business and focus on uh, cybersecurity uh, in terms of Bitcoin transaction safety and also people hires for mining and also trading. So uh, we're glad to be here and hopefully to share some ideas or insights that we know to everyone. Thank you. I love it. And how about you, Edward? Hi, my name is Edward and thanks for Amber to invite us. Like Andy said, that we had a company in Taiwan and myself is main focus on cryptocurrency or maybe we can call just focus on bitcoin because i i will say myself is a bitcoin believer maximalist you can say it (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, I, I love it. I, I'm happy that here in Taipei, it's very rare to um, come across people that have been in the Bitcoin industry for such a long time, and also people that are true um, Bitcoin believers um, like myself and from very early days. So thank you so much for having you guys today. I think um, just because a lot of our audience you know, doesn't really have the background knowledge on Bitcoin and mining, maybe you can start by giving a really simple like, catch-up on... like. Um, how you got interested in mining and what is it exactly does it entail, Edward? Why we, part, why we know Bitcoin? Well, I would like to say something like, oh, I know it will be a big thing in the beginning, but the truth is I just come across a news when I was in high school. <laughs> That's very simple. But I think you are, because I, I know you were doing something else, like 3D modeling, and then you made some money, or how did it start? Well, just like I said, I just come across the news on the internet, and at the moment that I'm lake of some lake of found for three D printing and drone, like the quad drone, and so I was thinking this this is a way to make some money. So I just dig in, and as a as as a student, I don't. And what year was this, and what uh, materials or hardware did you need? Oh, then let me think. It's a long time, I think. Nine. 2013. 2013. 12, 13. I think 14. I, I think, I, yeah, I think it's 14. So, just like I said, at that moment, I don't have a lot of money. So, the easiest way for me to Join the Bitcoin is the mining. At that moment, it's not, it's not now. But at that moment, the mining is the cheapest way to get the Bitcoin. Because I remember at that time, a second-handed used miner, the ASIC miner of the Bitcoin, only cost about a hundred or two hundred dollar US, maybe more. I forgot, but it's still affordable for a student. And and how does it work? Just for people who don't know, how did you how do you, how do you mine Bitcoin in the beginning? 
In the beginning, you mean the like the 2009, the begin very beginning or at you your beginning? Oh, my you just, beginning. Just you take the yeah. We, it? we have to buy a miner. We call it miner, but it's not actually a people who is mining for you. It's yeah. a machine. Yeah, the machine. It's it look like a like okay. I'll say it look like a brick, a aluminum brick, and it, inside is full of ASIC chip. ASIC chip is. A chip that designed to perform a specific job. And this, they are made in Taiwan. Uh, at that moment, wait, and and uh, yeah, I think so. Interesting. I think so. Yeah. Cool. So I think that's how you you got into the whole mining, and that's like a brief entry into mining. So um, I want to know more about the progress of your early days and get to some exciting stuff that you were doing. So how did you lead from from mining into um, Uh, Bitcoin forking expertise. <laughs> no, I'm not Bitcoin forking <laughs> expertise, but I will say, uh, for start, I'm just a miner, uh, ordinary miner. I have miner. I have the machine, and I work for. I take cake. I I uh, sorry. I sell 3D printer to make money to pay for the electricity fee for the miner. So I keep all my coin. I never sell it. Yeah, I never sell my coin at the moment. And later, the time I go into college, and the time come to like twenty seventeen. At the moment, the Bitcoin itself is going to they have a issue about Bitcoin transaction. People are saying it's too slow. Because you know. Bitcoin has a mechanism that it will produce a block in t every ten minutes. So, no matter how much transaction fee you pay, you still have to wait for ten minutes to get to make your transaction being confirmed by the blockchain. And Bitcoin has a block limit of one megabyte. That means every block can only contain one megabyte of transaction. In size, that doesn't mean a uh, one million transaction. No, that doesn't mean that. It means you can store only one megabyte of transaction information in the block. So people are discussed about they are going to expand it, like make it to two megabyte or four megabyte, something like that. And uh, some Bitcoin believer believe that it will. Make Bitcoin not that popular or not that easy to host, because when the block, the whole block size increasing, it means when you want to run a Bitcoin wallet, I mean the very ordinary wallet. It's not something like it's an app installed in your phone or you have a hardware wallet. No, it's the Bitcoin Nod, the Nod wallet, the very Fundamental of Bitcoin, you, it will take more than two hundred gigabytes of your hard drive. If you increase every block size, the <laughs> hard drive room require will be increased rapidly. So it will make normal people un, uh, not willing to host their own node because it costs money. 
if you rent a server like from Amazon, AWS, or some brand like DigitalOcean, <coughs> hard disk drive, hard disk space is cost by every gigabyte you use. So if you do that, it will be very expensive. So the some of people refuse to expand the block size, and some others they want to increase the block size. So, well, it's in their own interest because the Bitcoin transaction is fulfilling. Ah,、uh, it's not. You want to see it in Chinese? It's okay. No, no, no. no. Yeah, 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 I'm thinking.、Okay. I'm thinking. Okay. So, is this、uh, the reason why you, in 2000, you you started in getting involved in the forks? Is this? Yeah. This. this okay. It's a、uh, like, 前奏 The the history of it. Okay. So tell me, how did you get into、um, from mining to interested in in Bitcoin forking? Okay. So, I'm a miner, and at that moment, the Bitcoin. Isn't very popular, but when the time come to two thousand and seventeen, the Bitcoin price start to surge. So many people joined, and they are new in the. They don't really know how to decrease their transaction fee, so which cause they all use high transaction fee and they think the Bitcoin is ex- expensive for use. Like every time I want to transfer a hundred. A hundred dollar worth of Bitcoin, I need to pay more than twenty to transaction it. And so the Bitcoin Core is a team that have maintains the whole Bitcoin code for yeah from beginning to to now. They come up with a solution called Segways, which means it will put whole like. In the normal, the Bitcoin transaction information will contain the address you want to transact to, the amount, and a lot of signature and、uh, like cryptographic stuff. I don't know how to say that in normal, the easy to understand. Just it's contain a lot of information. So they want to split it to a part, take a part of information away from the block. And stored it in a second, like something second layer, but it's not really a second layer of the blockchain. So they call Segways is segregated witness. Okay, so it I don't <laughs> just say, and in the result, you can contain more transaction in the same one megabyte block. Yeah, the Bitcoin has a limit size of one megabyte like, per block. And another party like it's led by Bitmain. Bitmain is the company who manufacture ASIC miner. At the moment, they are like the number one company. We will say they are the head of the Bitcoin industry, or for the miner industry. This is still two thousand seventeen. Bitmain is ahead of mining. Okay. Yeah. And they say, <clears throat> "Oh no, we don't want segways." They didn't explain why, but we know why. Because if you implement Segway into Bitcoin blockchain, their miner will the efficiency of their miner will decrease.
because they, I don't know how to say that they cheat on mining, or it's not cheat. It's just a way to make their ASIC chips can work in higher efficiency. It's not a cheating. Yeah, it's not cheating. It's just their technique to do that. So if you implant in segways, their advantage will loss. So they say, oh no, we don't want segways. We want to expand the block size. Well, for me, at that moment, I didn't support. I, I don't support either size, because my miner is made by Bitcoin, Bitmain. But I kind of like the segways concept because it's more like tech stuff, like uh, something nerd would like. <laughs> I don't want to say that. So I just wait and Adam. And then they have a new. They have a conference in New York. They signed a paper called New York Agreement. Say that will they will put Bitcoin into segways and with two megabyte block. Like say they they have negotiated and said, okay, you want segways, but we still want bigger block. And they signed that agreement. But. Two months after the agreement was signed, the Bitmain said, "No, we don't. We still want to have a bigger box size." So they put a hard work on Bitcoin, and Bitcoin Cash was born. So that was the beginning of um, Bitcoin Cash. Yeah, that's the first a, fork of Bitcoin. Yeah, that's the beginning of the Bitcoin Cash. And that's really how um, how how did they how were they able to to do this fork of Bitcoin successfully? Well, The truth is, everyone can do a Bitcoin fork, as long as they have the knowledge of how to compile their own node. Like you, the Bitcoin is an open source project, so you can get the source code from GitHub. It's free and it's open, and there are a lot of commenting there and a lot of guide to teach you how to build your own node. And Bitmain has the mining power that we call hash rate. The hashing power of the miner. So, you have the code and you have the miner. They just, they just need to turn on, flip on the switch, and they get a hard fork. Interesting, and I think um, Bitcoin Cash was, you know, one of the still existing quite um, successful forks of Bitcoin. So, can you please uh, explain in the intro to how you got involved with uh, Bitcoin Gold? I think this is the second Bitcoin fork, right? Yeah, the Bitcoin Gold is the second Bitcoin fork. So, what was your involvement? Well, I will say that I'm a core tester. The Bitcoin, the very early stage of the Bitcoin core code, has a part in tested by me. Yeah, I just a tester, and I'm an early miner too. And I know the developed develop team and start and have some little project with them. Were they all based like globally, or were a lot of them here in Taiwan, or? No, they're globally. I actually I never met them in person. But you met the founder, right? Yeah, I met the founder. Yeah, the Jack Liao, mm-hmm. the the guy who has uh, said that he's Satoshi the second. Can you can you give some background <coughs> on the project for people who don't know Bitcoin Gold and how it was able to fork and the how it was set up? Well, the concept is very easy. Like. Why Bitcoin Bitmain can do the hard fork and make it successful, survive, 
is because they have mining power. They own a lot of miner. They own the production line of the ASIC chip. Or they don't own the production line, but they have a lot of mining chip. So that's why they can do whatever they want. So the concept is easy. If we make Bitcoin not mined by ASIC, we make it back and mined by GPU, the graphic card. So Bitcoin Gold, the BTG is stand for GPU. Doesn't stand for actual gold. Yeah, it doesn't stand for actual <laughs> gold. It just, I don't know. I, I don't know who made this name, but yeah. In the beginning, the project called BTC GPU. When you go to the GitHub to see the project name, it's still BTC GPU. It's not Bitcoin Gold. Oh, wow. So how, mm. how is it like meeting Jack and um, working uh, with the team? Well, first, I know Jack first, then I know the team. He introduced me to the team, and we have, like I said, we did some cooperate. And the Bitcoin Go had launched, and in that time, after Bitcoin Go launched, there are a lot of like Bitcoin Diamond, uh, Bitcoin something, Bitcoin God, I forgot. There a lot of stuff, a lot of fork have. But in the beginning... <coughs> You, you saw that this was a solution to uh, enhancing and fixing problems that you thought were relevant in the core Bitcoin yeah. code. Yeah. At the moment, that we believe that it shouldn't let individual hold too much mining power. So what happened with Bitcoin Gold at the, at the height? Was it successful? Was it not? What was, how did you feel about the experience? Well, I will... S- Say maybe it's because Bitmain they made the new ASIC miner using the same mining algorithm as Bitcoin Gold. So it's they now they have the mining power, so they are easy to perform a attack we call fifty one percent attack. That's mean when you control the fifty fifty more than fifty one percent of the whole network's hashing hashing power. Then you can make you can do the double spend attack on the blockchain. So from that time, the Bitcoin go die. I or I say it's die, but it's not actually it's still here now, and it's worth like ninety dollar for now. So how how much uh, of this gold did you own at one time, and what was the height like? And there was there a moment when it just when they performed this attack, or how did it go down? Well, how many I owned. I didn't remember the actual number, but I believe more than nine thousand. Nine thousand, more than nine thousand coin, at the peak. And what was one coin worth at the peak? Uh, you say the all-time high of uh-huh. Bitcoin gold is a very close to three hundred dollar. In global, it's like I remember it's have reached six hundred dollar in Korea. But it's a closed market, so I don't think it counts. But why would Jihan or somebody want to attack your fork? No, because we said we want to anti-ASIC. I think that's the slogan itself is a threat for some person. But did this slogan take off, or was it just more like an underground thing, or were there a lot of people <laughs> that you brought together on this like anti-thing? Yeah, yeah, before the attack, it's we have... A lot of people like agree our view, but after the attack, those people like realize ah it doesn't work. 
any kind of algorithm that can make the ethic of it. So the believer, I start leaving and I leave. I left. You left also. Yeah, I left also. Because can, you, can you talk about the experience in Taipei of like um, of Jack Law that was all over YouTube? <laughs> it's not <laughs> over YouTube. And there's a, like we can call it's a summit held, held by Yang Mingshe. I don't know it's in, what is in English. The, yeah, it's a Taiwan. Local club yeah, and host a <coughs> conference or summit. Yeah, yeah host a summit of, of blockchain. And they invite Craig White, the one who claimed himself Satoshi Nakamoto. And they also invite Jack Clare. And those two people have issue. Well, who was kicked out of the event? I know one of them was kicked out of the event. Was it Jack or was it Craig? Uh, it's Craig. <laughs> but the Craig was said, said he left himself. No one kicked him out. Yeah, but the last word they said is, "You leave or I leave." Leave. So he left willingly. <laughs> yeah, he. <laughs> we can leave it there. <laughs> I, yeah, that's not. Um, that's not the point. So <laughs> how? Okay, so were you? Did you feel like this was a, like a loss? Like it wasn't successful, or how did you feel after this involvement, this project? <sighs> the truth is, at the moment, I didn't feel anything. Because you know the Bitcoin is still very like near two thousand twenty thousand USD at that moment, and I also held an amount of Bitcoin, so the loss at that time isn't really a thing for me. But wow. that time, but you know the uh, things change. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The market changed. The market changed. So. Um, how many machines did you have at your all-time high, and where were they based? I had like fifty and Bitmain and Miner S nine at China, and I have more than ninety-two. I think ninety-two at Canada. Okay, so not in here, here in Taiwan. Yeah, it's not here in Taiwan because Taiwan's the law about electricity is very strict. So tell us more about, let's get, so you did one before work, gold, it's still kind of around kicking. What was your second experience trying to do another Bitcoin fork? And why did you decide to do that? You've already, you know, seen all of these fail. Well, <laughs> it's also still Jack Lau. Yeah, he, you still, you were still friends with him? Uh, yeah, I okay. would say that. <laughs> so how did you get, what was the second fork? I think it's called New York, right? Yeah, it's called Bitcoin New York. And... Like, is it because of this meeting in New York, Bitcoin yeah, Gold, or another meeting in New York? No, it's the very first. It's not the very first, but the, the one that they have signed a New York agreement okay. about the segways and 2 megabyte. So what was um, Bitcoin New York based on? Would people have known it, or is it very, like, nobody nobody's heard of it? I've heard uh, of Bitcoin Gold, but I'd never heard of Bitcoin New York before. Yeah, because we didn't really actually do any... Like marketing, marketing about it, because, like we said, the Bitcoin Go is being has been attacked by hashing power, and we decide to build an algorithm that is ASIC proof, really ASIC proof. Then, in the Ethereum, you know, 
the another cryptocurrency Ethereum. In this Ethereum community, there is a, I think it's a girl, who has proposed a kind of algorithm is we call programmable proof of work algorithm. Progpal. Yeah, Progpal. How do you call it? Okay. Yeah, we call it Progpal. And we have, we still have a team, so we try to follow. That girl is, I don't know how should I call her girl. That that, yeah, I don't know. The one who pr- proposed Progpal didn't really do the coding stuff. Mm-hmm. It's still a concept. It's still a, more like a paper. Me and I'm still the test. Uh, like I will, I won't say anything because the the actual the developer don't really want to let people know their name. Just a group of people got together to do Bitcoin New York yeah. in New York. Yeah. Okay, so how, what was the premise of it? How is it different from the gold fork? Yeah, the gold fork. We, how do you do a Bitcoin fork? You have to have a lot of people, or yeah, what, what's uh, needed? Like the gold fork, we use. Equal hash is an algorithm to mine Bitcoin gold, and that algorithm is compromised. So we develop a, a new algorithm called Procpow. It's a dynamic algorithm, so you can't, or you can, but you can make the ethic of it. But it, the, it, the ethic will be very like the general, like we call CPU. Is a general processing unit. It's not ASIC anymore, so the cost will be very high. So th- that's the way we prevent it being developed ASIC of it. And then, so it's also a continuation of the anti-ASIC kind of movement. Yeah. Did it take off, or what happened? Well, the the development is complete, and the chain it's still working now. The whole Bitcoin New York chain and the Proc Power. Mining is still on now, but now it's like connected to Ethereum, right? No, it's not connected to Ethereum. Oh. It's it's a standard. It's a standalone blockchain, but still, we don't have much participator about it. So, do you think it will take off? I don't know. Actually, I really don't know because you know, for now, people don't really believe in fork. They don't. People don't really believe in forking anymore. They have accept the situation like. ASIC is the king now, mm-hmm. and Bitmain isn't. Bitmain isn't the head of the mining miner now. They are another like we call microbit. It's another manufacturer, and we have Xingdong. Uh, it's a company in China. They also make. So there's other miner. other players in the game yeah. now, but only. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe you can let's start by also explaining more if if there's anything that people new to Bitcoin should take away from like the Bitcoin white paper and you know all the concepts about um, attacks and and double spend. Can you kind of explain a few more of these main concepts about the core white paper to people? Okay, okay. Um, I think I have only one advice for the new people come to Bitcoin. To hold your own private key, I think that's a very key point. Normal people don't need really need to worry about double spend or don't really need to worry about some like hashing attack something like that. They're not gonna be attacked yeah. unless they have a yeah. lot of 
but the, the very key part is you have to hold your own coin. Having mm-hmm. an accounting exchange isn't mean you have your own coin. Okay, so um, Andy, can you let's start with you and tell us how you got into Bitcoin? And I know that together, not only are you guys doing this transaction, but let's talk about the the trading side of your business. Okay, <clears throat> so compared to Edward, uh, he began his career like in very early days from mining from from two thousand thirteen. It was the first time the price went over one thousand dollars. For me, actually, it's quite late compared to him. Um, the first time I heard of Bitcoin is when I was in Israel, 2016-17. All my friends around me are like, Andy, you have to know Bitcoin. You have to go to this party, that party. You can find all kinds of party that hosts in Israel, in Tel Aviv, under any building's rooftop. There's a Bitcoin party there. I have no idea what, what it is. And people is like, no matter what you do, you have to put money in it, period. And until end of 2017, some of my friends, they began doing the ICOs. I have no idea what it is. And I found out they're just quickly raising a lot of funds, a lot of capitals around the world uh, from Bitcoin. And that's where the where it began, like, raised the awareness of me that I have to know this. I think this will uh, have a huge impact in the future, no matter it's in ICOs way or whatever. But at the time, I know like I have to know this. So uh, when when I come back to Taiwan back in that days, um, I asked of closer from my mind, and I said, "Do you know anyone in Taiwan that knows Bitcoin?" And my friends like Andy. It happens that I know someone in this university, and he is really really good at it. And I was like, "Who is?" And at that time, what's very, very funny is that my friend's like, see, just across the road, there's a tall guy standing there. His name is Edward, and you have to know him. And that's how I met Edward uh, at that time. And we literally just say hi at online, and we find time to meet up together to talk about Bitcoin. Cool. And um, can you talk a bit about your... Um you, on the side, you have an Israeli fund, and I know maybe you sh- should tell everyone the school you go to because I think you guys are both, uh, you know, from the same school and from the same activities. Oh, actually, um, at the time we're we're from different school. Um, I'm from Tsinghua, and he's studying Baker, yeah, Taipei Tech. Taipei Tech, and um, for me, it's like Tsinghua University. And I met him at Taipei Tech from door. Yeah, from door across the street, <laughs> and. Actually, at that time, I was thinking that after I, I literally spent every month to meet up Edward to ask him all kinds of questions to learn um, what is the technology behind it, what's the thing I have to know. And I also started thinking about that because my main focus is still in Israel of venture capital. But at the same time, I'm also searching that there should be opportunities uh, in blockchain or Bitcoin. And at that time, Edward was the only Bitcoin believer in Taiwan I know, and so we we hang out we hang out very often. We we find time to think what's the future of Bitcoin, and until two thousand nineteen, that is the time that we decided to really uh, to join force to start our own startup and to begin with uh, cybersecurity um, focus. I thought I thought the first focus was on the the trading fund side. So can you explain that also? Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> at the beginning, actually, it's both. Like trading is a fun part and easier to earn money. So at the beginning, we start trading um, Bitcoin and also Bitcoin future. Back in the time, and 
at that time, after our self-trading, obviously, I was more experienced than me. And until two years ago, we started using like machine to trade for us. So we're like semi-auto trading. But I think that's very rare. Usually, miners stick to mining, and then they partner no. with like people who are like quants who who make sh- to help them to hedge the risk. So why did you guys decide to do also on the trading side? Is it because you have financial background, or or you're just so well versed at everything, Edward? Well, in the beginning, <laughs> just I just trade for fun because like Bitcoin future, the Bitmax, the exchange. It's really like a game in the beginning. Just we were saying, oh, Bitcoin is going to, Bitcoin is going to raise, or it's going to be dumped. Then, like, it's just like a gamble for me in the beginning. That's it. And but later, and Andy come to me and ask, hey, Edward, do you know how to, anything about trading? And <laughs> I just, yeah. oh, trading. Uh, yeah, I think I know it a little. And take out a record and see, hey, the performance isn't really bad. So but um, you started this trading in 2019. Do you think that it was your skills as traders or just like you hit the beginning of bull market here? Mm. I'm sure your clients are satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> I, would say, <clears throat> I would say we, in terms of uh, trading, we really do it really step by step. And due, due to the way that we think is. Uh, we do every trade based on the information we receive and also with confidence to to put an order. And in terms of the bull market, it's definitely, uh, we have no clue at that time the price would raise so high. Is your strategy like buy and hold? So what's your um, performance for this year? <laughs> Basically, we're like long-term hold, holding Bitcoin. Uh, most of our portfolio are holding Bitcoin. And... We we trade we put our order on like future to loan loan our um, to buy a loan contract occasionally, so the the performance quite good and also uh, we made the target or or beyond the target that we. You can we just tell us on. how many X. <laughs> well, <laughs> come on, couple X. Just a couple. <laughs> just a couple. Yesterday X. we had a fund that said they two hundred X. From from for how long? I don't know, this year or something like that. So are you at that? That's normal. <laughs> so actually, back in two thousand twenty, I think last year is the cra- craziest time that we have ever done. Mm-hmm. There's once even one month we done like three hundred percent one month, but we think that it's too crazy and we cannot sleep because we spend too much time watching the market. So right now, actually, we more trading like rationally. We are we can tell like we are targeting. Um, 20% a month. How is that going to be um, long going, 20% if like the market is, what about next year if there's like a, a change in the market? How can you, how are you going to uh, change the strategy? I think the strategy changed uh, from time to time. The reason why we put 20% is because um, <clears throat> we think if if we do like, if we put like one uh, future contract uh, every every two weeks, Actually, every in average, the return is like five to ten percent. If it's a long contract, include the price raised from Bitcoin, uh, the total earning will be fifteen percent to twenty percent. So actually, every month you just need to do one trade. If the is a Bitcoin price goes up. But let's be honest here. You've already sold everything, all your mining equipment, all your coins, all yeah. your you've liquidated <laughs> everything, right? <laughs> uh, we haven't sold Bitcoin yet, but we sold all our mining machines. 
Oh, just the mining machines. Just not, mining you didn't, machines. Not the fun. The fun is still going. No, actually, because back in 2019, by the end of the time, me and Albert spent a lot of time to analyze if it's a good price to enter the mining market. And every mining market, if you if you're in a mining market, you will know that one year is a one period of investment. Yeah, one so or, one or two years. One to two years, <laughs> the top. Can you talk about a bit about the? You know how what's a, what's the deal with um, how do you guarantee return from mining? Is it it's all about um, the bottom, right? So we we cannot guarantee anything, uh, including trading. We cannot we do we don't guarantee anything. We tell all our investor, family, friends that what's the risk involved. The reason why we begin with mine is for investors because first of all, mine the there is a bottom of mining price, and the price of Bitcoin shouldn't go below that price. Otherwise, the whole system might shut down. The risk will shut down. So even though it go below the price, you still come back up. So if, I would say mining is not like a crazy major uh, return business, but we're talking about it's a lower risk to lose money. So how is mining different today than before? And are there cost-related issues? How is it affecting the bottom line? You want me to, okay, I think there's a, quite many perspective we can see the money market first of all the technology we see um i, I won't tell do you want to talk about the bottom price for mining bitcoin now uh okay yeah. you see we all we always say bitcoin is a blockchain right and we also say oh every time from time to time they will produce a new block to contain the transaction information <coughs> and that block is well we're gonna say it's mined we say that block is being mined. That means we need the hashing power to produce a new block. So if there's no there's no mining power, so there's no new block. When there's no new block, there you don't you don't transact anything. The Bitcoin is dead. And now we have like I think yesterday the mining the total nine mining power have reached all time high. So now the new the mining power is very, very high. So the Bitcoin difficulty is very high too. And the difficulty is a way Bitcoin to keep itself remain 10-minute block. If the difficulty is too low, it will become like two, two seconds or one second a new, a new block is produced. That's not what the Satoshi designed in the beginning. He want to make it remain 10-minute block. So there is a thing called difficulty adjustment algorithm, which is it will adjust every 2,000, 2000 uh, about more than 2,000 block. I forgot the actual number. I think it's for 2,106 or 2,160, I forgot. I forgot the actual number, but every about two weeks, we turn it to the actual human time. It's two weeks. The mining difficulty will change. So if the mining difficulty changed too slow, if the Bitcoin price drop, drop below the, like we say, the miner need to, you need to feed it with electricity. And electricity costs a lot of money. That's what that's your mining cost. If the Bitcoin drop below the mining cost, most of the miner will shut down their machine. So 
you know, now we say we have we say there are three com- major company making mining machine, and their model, their model are very similar. It's different brand, but the mining power, the power consumption, are very similar. So, when the miner, it uh, when the price drop below the mining cost, it doesn't mean it's just um below the mining cost for one or two people. We are saying about more than uh, 90%, 90% of the industry. So at that moment, if you have the lowest electricity price, you can still survive. But for those who don't have don't have advantage on the electricity price, they have to shut down their machine. I have a question regarding that. So um, it's true that China is banning uh, mining in Inner Mongolia. Where else do you think um, the next mining spot will be for miners? And how would this impact since China and Inner Mongolia now produce the most hash rate? Well, the truth is, yes, China is banning in Inner Mongolia because they are using fire to generate electricity. So it causes a lot of, a lot of pollution for China. So yes, but the truth is, in other place like Xinjiang or Sichuan, the mining is still going on. They didn't ban it, ban it. So they just need to transfer their miner from Mongolia to Xinjiang. So and you're saying Sichuan. that even if it's banned in Mongolia, they're still going to man uh, mine in China. Yeah, secret parts of China. Uh, can you talk a little bit about this from like a how is it, you know, it's taking up a lot of electricity. It's affecting, you know, global global warming and issues. How do you feel about that? Well, the fi- if you use fire to produce electricity, yes, I believe it will, produ- it will affect the environment, yeah. But in Sichuan, they are using water to generate electricity. So I think it's kind of green power, isn't it? So... But um, do you feel like everybody should get into mining or should it just be like a few people or government owned or who, what do you think is the best people to get or time of people to get into it? Well, in personal view, I think there are too many miners now because in Bitcoin design miner or proof of work is for to protect the network security of it. But it don't need that much miner. Yeah, the truth, that's the truth. But, you know, Mining is a profitable industry, so I don't think people will stop adding more hash power on it. Yeah, I also I also want to echo to that. Um, I think uh, people do do come to us to ask about the idea if it's a good timing to get involved to mining, invest in mining. Uh, in our point of view, we won't say yes or no, but but if ourselves, we won't do that. Uh, you're only being a consultant and consulting others. Yeah, because we, 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 we do see a lot of risk compared to by the end of 2019 compared to now. We see a lot of risk that for those newcomers, they don't know the risk of when you do the mining. Uh, we, will, we will tell them the, what the risks are and to think twice if it's a good timing. Or to, or if they want to allocate their asset in, in that, that but, kind of But investment. is it fair if like one company like just owns majority of the mines globally, like a privately owned company? Do you feel like that's fair? I, don't. I have worked to the Bitcoin fork to stop this. Of course, I don't think it's fair. Yeah. But it's reasonable. Well, I can say as long as the society is 
stick to socialism, uh, capitalism. I think it's very reasonable. Wow. Do you think that? Let's go back to the forks for a second since you brought it up. Uh, what's the future of forks? <laughs> wow. I don't think there will be any more forks. Never. There's only going to be one Bitcoin. Yeah. I I hope so because the fork has caused too much chaos. So you think people people will stop trying to fork it? Yeah, I think so. Because fork caused the split of the community, and <laughs> for what I feel, community is everything about Bitcoin. I like that. That's very true. Do you think yeah. that this whole Bitcoin Cash confuses people on the core message? Of course, because you know the Bitcoin Cash holds the dominant of BTC.com. You know, yeah. <laughs> like keep claiming themselves are Bitcoin. So it caused a lot of confusing about for people. Like, I know a guy who helped people to buy Bitcoin, but instead of the real BTC, he gave them BCH, and they say, "Oh, this is Bitcoin." See, you go to the BTC.com and Google yourself. They say it's Bitcoin. I didn't lie to you. So how do you think people in Taiwan can be safe? For you know, like you're saying, kind of mining at this point isn't really an option. But you know, for large investors, maybe they can go more on the quant side. But how, what about for like uh, new people? How how what's the entry point? The entry point you need to wait. I think, yeah, it's about waiting. Like in the beginning of 2019, at that moment, Bitcoin have reached a very low. Like the price is low. And a new generation of miner just came out. I mean, the like seven nanometer, the chip, the chip seven nanometer, the very new miner have came out. Right. And the price is low, so the miner isn't that expensive. At that time, one miner cost, I think, three thousand United dollar only. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying that if it's the right time, people can still get into mining. But what are the other risks there, like uh, fires, you know, confiscation? I think management. If you're an investor from Taiwan, it's very hard to for you to mine in Taiwan because of the electricity fee. But think about it. if you if you invest less like ten, let's say ten mining machine or five mining machine up to let's say hundred mining machine in China, how are you gonna manage it? Who are you gonna contact? And how are you gonna protect yourself? Just based on this, you can see easily tell there are so many risks. Based on human risk yeah, human that you're risk. unable to manage, especially in this pandemic time. So, but what about like just buying it? Do you think now is a good time to buy? How much are you guys holding on to? Are you holding on to Bitcoin for all your wealth, or or yeah? <laughs> well, that's uh, my little secret. But I will say I won't. I won't suggest people to get all in to yeah. any yeah. Yeah. any kind of exit. It's not. It's not smart, and yeah. it's very very yeah. risky. But I will say I think Bitcoin is a good exit for someone if they want to hold it. I think like mining also when you mine it. Besides, there's a different feeling when when buying it, right? When you mine, you've done the work right, for it. Right. Do you feel like it like a closer connection? Well, seeing your income every day is different from just a huge income once. Yeah. Of course, it's different. Yeah. But you still need to remember the cost you pay. Like the man, the machines itself, the price of the machine. Like I said earlier, the at 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 nineteen twenty, but twenty nineteen, one machine is about two thousand United dollar. Now, it's about ten thousand. 
it's about and f- you always more than have to po- update them right it's yeah. not like one only lasts a few years yeah so that's the reason why we decide to sell our machine and don't renew it because yeah. the price of the machine is too high and yeah. we think it's not it's not a reasonable price so let's say mining is like a long long uh, it's like a heavy investment if you put in your capital in it you have to wait for let's say seven months to one year to break even and after that time that's the real profit coming from so think about it do you think if you believe after a year the price of bitcoin still stay 50k 60k then maybe it's an opportunity but if you don't believe in it then think twice Right? I still think that the miners that I know, it's very rare that I meet miners because they're all the kind of people that like to stay at home and don't like the attention. Right. So that's why it's very rare to have someone like Edward on the show today. Is that yeah. like a true kind of... Um, yeah. There are a lot of miners. They say they are miners, but I actually never mind anything. We have met some people. They say, oh, we have a state-of-the-art miner. It's 30 times better than Big Bang's machine. We only sell you with the half price of them. It's a scam. Yeah. So I see. But for people, do you do you um, feel like you would tell people that want to get into it new to buy now? Like the, your timing is referring to like mining timing, but what about just buying from exchanges? Is now like mm-hmm, good time? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, this is a million dollar question. Um, actually, even in past few days, my friends asked me this question too. Is it a good time to buy in Bitcoin right now? Um, I think, again, like we cannot tell anyone to buy because we don't know what's going to go in the future. But if you step one step back, if you believe in Bitcoin will still survive in the next five to 10 years, if you believe that people will recognize Bitcoin uh, in terms of holding it as like a gold or whatever, I think it's okay to hold certain amount of Bitcoin based on your comfort. Of course, as I would say, we don't suggest anyone to all in and to be even ourselves. We don't all in Bitcoin, but who who are your clients now? Are they like um, high net worth people? Are they funds or who who are these people coming into your giving you money? Your 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 family members? Okay. So yeah, <laughs> I'm just wondering like, yeah. what type of people are getting into the are you seeing getting entering the market now? Based on our friends, based on our uh, capital, mostly it's like family friends. We don't help funds to manage their capital. We don't help company to manage their capital. But we only help family and friends that are really interested in. And we have a lot of talk with them to tell them what we know about Bitcoin. And after that, if they still believe in it and they still feel comfortable to hold it, then we will help them to buy in that in the price that we believe is reasonable. So this is how we trade and help them to get, in, get into the market. So are you, do you do the thing where you buy like a certain amount every day, dollar cost averaging? Is that what you suggest for people um, managing their own funds? Mm, I, That's a, one of the ways uh, we, we suggest people. Uh, ourselves, we don't do it. But if, for instance, one of my friend, uh, uh, if he, he, want, he said he wanted to invest in Bitcoin himself, I was like, okay, there's all kind of strategy you can you can use. Uh, one of the easiest one, and also if you look into history, one of the most successful one will be you buy certain amount every month at the same date, and then you just live it, don't sell it. We found out this is the one of the highest return you can see in the market. I agree. I yeah. agree. I, uh, uh, I won't say it's the highest, 
but it will be the easiest and safest. So last time I saw you, you were playing with like a silver metal uh, chip or not chip, but you know, <laughs> can you explain that? And let's uh, talk a bit about your your security project. <laughs> uh, it's a stainless steel, and it's a plate. I don't think it's a chip. Um, plate. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's one of a way you keep your private key. One of yeah. the way, and I think it's for me it's the most comfortable way because I know this is this is stainless steel. Even if it's fall from uh, fall from Taipei One Hundred One, it's only just going to cross someone's car or break someone's windows. But it won't. It it, it will still be yeah. your private key, yeah. uh, or your house in the fire. You just need to wait your house being burned down and just go back in and pick it pick up. It up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some well, people, yeah. Some people use it paper and pen. No, that's not good. But okay, tell me what is your transaction security transaction project? Well, my pr- transaction project is well, I it's a kind of second factor or- organization that people often use, but it's more like based on hardware. I know now they are selling a lot any kind of token. That's like you have maybe people heard of UbiKey, UbiKey, uh, or it's, it's a USB key that it particip- participate with a lot of famous company like Google, uh, Facebook. I don't know Facebook. No, uh, maybe not Facebook. Amazon, those websites to manage their account. So if you want to log into your Gmail, you need to have a key, insert to your own computer, and unlock. That's one, but our things is similar to that. But we will make it like merging with Bitcoin itself, because Bitcoin itself is a cryptographic program. We only merged it with your with your account, so you can safely log into exchange account to transfer your fund from exchange to your own address. So basically, it's a it's a second authenticator when you're transferring from exchanges to other people or to where? To yourself. Myself. Yeah, to yourself. Because why only myself? Why can't it be when you're? Because there are internet internet fees, you know. I don't understand. Internet. Fishing. fishing. Internet fishing. Mm-hmm. It's not fishing. It's fishing. I never fishing. So this is to co- to to stop oh. that, or what is the use case for this yeah. when you're transferring out from an exchange? Because you are human, it's very easy to be lied, right? Someone lied to you, or you've been tricked, like a fake website, or you come to a wrong place. But this is happening a lot, you know. Yeah. Like uh, there's so many attacks now and hacks, like right. they, uh, on your personal keys or your when you're entering or on your website. So how does your is it? It's a software. No, it's a hardware. Hardware. How does that stop it? How it's do you? How does it stop going to the wrong place? Well, because the hardware itself it's paired with our another we we this this yeah this mechanism need to cooperate with exchange the exchange in their server room they need to have a corresponding machine that we built paired with the customer's hardware so it's one to one pair you cannot wow but what if I want to send it to someone else doesn't work yeah you need to withdraw to your own. Wallet, then you can transfer it from your wallet. So 
So this is really to save my um, exchange from being hacked, and and really, right? Yeah. It's for the it's actually your your user case for exchange. Yeah, this is for exchange, and even exchange like can't move your coin. Yeah. yeah. So do you have a what is the thought with this exchanges now? Are they eager for this kind of um, hardware or? Well, huh, that's the problem, <laughs> because. We we did we did talk talk to some exchange in in Taiwan. Um, we talked to their tech team. We tell them the the advantage of using this uh, devices, and eventually they agree. They agree with our idea, and they but, agree it's definitely safer. But they think it's complicated for average user. Yeah, yeah. They don't think it's very easy to use. And they, they they believe that it will make them lose their customer. Yeah, they would rather to make it less uh, complicated. Of course, uh, more risk it will expose to the customer, but uh, more. but they they prefer in that way. They prefer in that way than make it more safe. So, but you feel like this is going to be the next step when these issues start to happen, right? That people are going to. Yeah, I think when the blockchain cryptocurrency being attacked. Accept more and more. I believe eventually someone will need this. So that's great that you guys are focused on security. Um, but since you know you're representing really maximalism and Bitcoin in Taipei, what can you tell people that don't know what that is and are you know every day seeing a bunch of these like other coins or potential investment? What can they be cautious of? If you are new, I would say don't be greedy. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. that's a very very key part. Like if you want someone want to scam you, or someone want to steal your coin, they are all because targeting on your greeting, greed. Why? Because, because you're trying to make more. Yeah, because you're trying to make more money. Because But, I I think that there's a lot of these like smaller kind of uh, fake or scams here in Taiwan. So I think people in Taiwan also need to be careful of this because you know. Investing has been like a, a social activity with like KOL with everything. So how can they be uh, cautious? That's the very the most my concern part is the KOL because in nineteen but in twenty seventeen to twenty eighteen there are a lot of new KOL come out and lead people to invest in ICO. And they rapidly die in nineteen twenty. So KOL in Taiwan like is key opinion leader, like an influencer. Yes. So yeah, they yeah. all the coins died, and a lot of people got. Got yeah, they got cut. And the investor come to them, ask them to return their money, and f- for what I know, those KOL, some of them have make profit from selling ICO coin. So, do you think people in Taiwan like entry to the thing? They should be Bitcoin only, and why Bitcoin only? Well, because Bitcoin is simple. It's actually compared to Ethereum, compared to like other some other thing relate to blockchain. Now, nowadays people like to put blockchain on everything. You know, the like there as as what I know, there is going to be a new. Platform like TikTok, they are going to implement. They say they are using blockchain to. I don't know what they are going to do with it, but they say they are using blockchain, and there are not a lot of new project claim they are using blockchain and cryptocurrency. But block blockchain has become a key word. But you know, with Bitcoin, Bitcoin has no marketing department, right? Yeah, the Bitcoin itself is very decentralized. 
even for the core team, they only do the maintenance of the core, the core code. They don't do the marketing. Actually, and before day before, there is a foundation called Bitcoin Foundation, but it's dismissed. So. So that's why I think it's really important to have like your point of view, especially for people who are new to the space. That you know to be careful and to know that Bitcoin, Bitcoin forever, Bitcoin believer, and no more forks. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, that's what I was trying to say, because fork isn't really a good solution for what we see now, because even for the Bitcoin Gold and Bitcoin Euro, our intention are good, but there are a lot of people seeing that the fork itself is the way to another ICO. You know, I'm about yeah, I think that's a very interesting viewpoint because you know, I we do see a lot of media attention. Besides, uh, there have been some, you know, I guess you would consider successful forks like Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin SV. But you know, there's a very rarely do we have someone with your experience that actually tried to do something that they really believed in that was really to um, enhance the the Bitcoin core. So um, yeah, that's interesting, right? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I I um. <laughs> I just want to echo to what what you guys said. Um, I think we believe in things. Also, when we dig into understand the 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 original idea of how Bitcoin was created and how the technologies uh, offered to the world, and this is why after a long time study and understand how things work, and this is what we believe in. So that's the reason why we stick with uh, Bitcoin rather than other other coins. Awesome! I love it, guys. Thank you so much for being here. Um, let's call it a night. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Amber. Thank you, Amber.